They will make their way to the front and join our leaders as they head upstairs to our kids' crew room. While they're doing that, I encourage you to turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're finally out of chapter 1. We spent three weeks in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and today we move into chapter 2. We won't always move at the, uh, the, the clip, the, the, the speed at which we went through chapter 1, but there was a lot of great material there for us to dig into. And so now we're into chapter 2. I want to begin this morning by asking you to think about a specific term. And I, I, don't want, you to be, I want you to be mindful of what you associate with the term disciple. When I say the word disciple, what do you think of? What comes to mind when you think about what is a disciple? Who maybe is a, a more accurate way of, of asking that? Who is a disciple? What makes a person a, a disciple? And, and how do we define that term? This is something that I've thought a lot about lately, especially because I just finished doing a seminar a few weeks ago that was named, now get, the load, get this, this is a, a mouthful. It was called Developing a Disciple-Making Strategy for a Healthy Growing Church, PMEV8305. That was the name of the class, the seminar that I took. I'm working on my doctorate of ministry degree through New Orleans Seminary right now. And so I just finished a few weeks ago taking this class, Developing a Disciple-Making Strategy. And one of the things that we had to do was think about this term. We read several books, wrote a lot of papers, had seminar presentations and, and lots of discussion about discipleship and making disciples and how to develop disciples effectively through the ministry of the church. It really was a great seminar. But one of the things that became clear in the process of doing this is that we, we have a lot of different ideas about what a disciple is or who a disciple is or what makes a disciple. And so I want you to think about that for a moment. If you were to try to briefly succinctly describe or even define the word disciple, how would you? Now, the answers are all across the map. There are some who think, you know, disciples are people who are committed. Disciples are people who are devoted. They have sold out. They follow after Jesus, and they give all that they have. They're walking in obedience. They, they, you know, they think of disciples almost as the elite spiritual few who have reached this higher level of discipline, this higher level of commitment. And then there are others who think, well, you know, really, truly, anyone who has trusted Jesus by faith is a disciple. Everyone who, who has made a decision to follow Christ. The, the question isn't so much about who is a disciple, but for us as Christians to consider is maybe how, how effective am I at being a disciple? Because if you've trusted Jesus, you're a disciple. So the question is, are you a very good one, right? I mean, are you a very effective disciple? And, and, and I suppose anything in between, the, the answers can be all over the map. And even in the course of this seminar, as we're together, gathered together in class, you've got pastors and church leaders from all over who are gathered together. And we're wrestling with these very same issues, these very same questions, trying to nail down and define what is a disciple. We were divided into groups and uh, in, in these groups, one of, our, one of our tasks for a short period of time was to try to come up with a simple definition of a disciple. Let me share with you what my group came up with as our definition of a disciple. And I'm going to use this this morning as maybe in some ways a springboard into this text that we're going to consider in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and really this discussion about 
what is a disciple? Who is a disciple? And are we disciples? That's, that's important for us to engage with. And then the question of, well, then what should we be doing as disciples? If I'm a disciple, what am I supposed to do as a disciple? Okay, this was our definition. A disciple is anyone who has been transformed by the power of God in response to his gospel. Anyone who's been transformed by the power of God in response to his gospel. So we defined disciples, disciples, I should say, as people who have been transformed by the saving power of Christ, but it's a work that God initiated. And so we, that, that word gospel is a loaded term, right? That it, it comes with a lot of understanding, a lot of things for us to unpack and know, but simply to, to say it, that that, that understanding of the gospel means that it initiated with God. It's the work of God made available to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And then now as we receive that by faith, our lives are transformed. Anyone, everyone who's been transformed by the power of God in response to his gospel is a disciple. I would, I would tell you that I lean, if we're going to define Disciples. Who is a disciple? What is a disciple? I lean on the end of the spectrum that says everyone who's trusted Jesus is a disciple. Now, we're not all good disciples. We're not all effective disciples. We, all of us have room to grow in our discipleship. All of us have room for improvement in our disciplines and our devotion to the Lord and in the sense that we are effectively and, and faithfully carrying out his call for our lives. But everyone who's trusted Jesus by faith is a disciple, is a follower. And that's really what the word comes down to as we understand it, at least as I understand it. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, people who have trusted him, people who have surrendered their lives to him by faith, been transformed by his power in response to his gospel. Well, all of that I want us to, to think about, to discuss this morning, because that leads into this text that I want us to consider together because we have essentially two, two parts of discipleship that are laid out in these two verses that I want us to consider together this morning. Read with me 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there are, there are two primary instructions here. Really, verse 1 contains one of them, and verse 2 contains the other. I want us to consider these together this morning. The first, the first thing that we see is that we are to be strengthened by grace. Strengthened by grace. So... Paul writes to Timothy here, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace. The, the verb there that we would, that we've translated from the Greek language, be strengthened, is in the imperative mood. Now, for all of our English majors, when something is in the imperative mood, you know that that means it is an instruction. It is not a suggestion. Paul is not saying to Timothy, Timothy, why don't you consider being strengthened by grace? It's not just a statement of fact. This is an instruction. It is a command in the imperative. So he's saying to him, Timothy, be strengthened. Now, if he had stopped there, if that, if that was it, if that was the instruction, then it would be a call to an impossible task, would it not? If all 
Paul told Timothy to do was be strengthened. It would be the same as saying, Timothy, get yourself together. Pull yourself together. Man up. Be strong. And keep going. But that's an impossible task, ultimately. Because each of us live with the awareness of our shortcomings, our inadequacies, our failures. No doubt, Timothy knew his own. I know mine, you know yours. There are times when the role of leadership that I have and roles of leadership, perhaps maybe that you encounter in your arenas of service, be it in the church, in, in, in your work, in your career. There are times when, if you're in a position of leadership, there are times when you receive criticism and people are mindful of your, your weaknesses. Well, you should have done this or you, you could have done that or uh, why didn't you do this? And, and sometimes when, when, when I feel that pressure, you know, I think to myself, First of all, I've got a long way to go. I'm not a perfect leader by any means, and, and I would fully submit that, that there's plenty of room for growth in my life. But sometimes it's, it's easy to think, you know, uh, give me a break. I'm trying. I'm doing the best that I can, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a work in progress. And if all that I had was the, the command to be better, be better, then it would feel a little bit defeating at times. But Paul didn't stop there. And I identify, I relate so closely to what Paul instructs Timothy with in this letter because it's a pastoral epistle. It's written to Timothy, who's a pastor of a church. And so although it speaks to all of us as believers, as a pastor, I can especially identify with the commands, the instructions that Paul's giving. And if, as a leader of a church, if, if all I had was just this, this command to be better, there at times that would feel very deflating. But there's so much more because he doesn't just say, be strengthened, but he says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that is so important for us to understand. We're not to just be better. We're not to just try harder. We're not to just do a better job. We're to be strengthened by the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. Meaning that for all of those ways that you and I fall short, for all those ways that you don't measure up, for all of those ways that you might be found wanton and not up to par, there's grace. There's God's grace to carry you. There's God's grace to sustain you. His grace to lead you on. And Paul writes, Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That is a command that I can follow. That is a command that I can identify with. That is a command that doesn't call me to an impossible task, but rather calls me to this great, this grand story, this great commission where I find my purpose in my being. Be strengthened by the grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. Strengthened by grace. It's not just an instruction to pastors, by the way. It's not just an instruction to Timothy, not just an instruction to pastors, not just an instruction to Sunday school teachers and church leaders. This is an instruction for all of us. We understand by the inspiration of God through the work of his Holy Spirit leading Paul to write these words, we understand that this is a part of God's revelation for us. Every one of us as Christians are called to be strengthened by grace. This morning... Whatever you bring into this room with you, whatever life circumstance, whatever part of your story that you carry into this room that might be a weight that is holding you down, whatever burdens you feel, know this, there is grace to give you strength. Whatever tasks 
you may be laboring over right now, whatever things might seem too much, too heavy, too big, too high for you to climb or too much for you to take on, know this, you're not alone. God has given you grace through Jesus Christ and by trusting in him, you now have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. Is it always gonna be easy? No. Is it, always going to be, is it always going to be something that seems fun or enjoyable? Honestly, no. At times, it's going to look a lot like hard work. At times, it's going to take a lot of discipline, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of surrender, a lot of prayers, a lot of committing ourselves and devoting ourselves. And, and we may fall, and we've got to get up, and we've got to keep... That, that's this life that we have been called to. It's, it's a little bit of a a lie that, that many Christians, especially in America, have bought into today, this idea that I follow Jesus and life is just great and there should never be any problems. That's not the picture that the New Testament paints. But in spite of the trials, in spite of the struggles, we can know this, that there is grace and we can be strengthened by the grace that is ours in Christ Jesus. So if we are to if we are to be faithful disciples, devoted disciples, committed disciples, walking the path that the Lord has called us to, we must understand that we need grace and God in his goodness has provided it richly through Jesus Christ. So we see that we're to be strengthened by grace. The second thing that we see in verse two is that we're to be sent by the gospel. So we're to be strengthened by grace for the task that we've been called to. And what is that task? Well, namely it's this, that we are sent by the gospel. We are sent out. We are turned out. I love the chorus to the song that we just sang that said, lead me in your love to those around me. That is the very heartbeat, the very essence of what this scripture is telling us, that we are to be sent out sent to those around us in the love of Christ, sent out to them that we are sent by the gospel. So he says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, let me, let me connect you with the, the thought of what Paul has written to Timothy up to this point. If you were to go back into chapter one, you're going to find a series of instructions beginning in verse 8. Beginning in verse 8, Paul writes, Do not be ashamed of the gospel or of me. Then in verse 13, he says, Follow the pattern of sound teaching that you've received. In verse 14 in chapter 1, he tells him, Guard the deposit by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit that you received. Guard the deposit that was entrusted to you. That word entrusted is important. We'll come back to that in just a minute. And now in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, entrust these things to others. So how is it that Timothy is to guard the deposit that has been entrusted to him? It's by giving it away to others. The way that we guard the deposit, as it were, the way that we guard what has been given to us, that we are faithful to that which was been entrusted to us, is that we would entrust it to others. That's the pattern of discipleship. Do you see that? 
what someone invested in you, what someone entrusted to you, what someone gave to you, you're to take that and you're to give it away to others who will then be able to give it away to others beyond them as well. You have been entrusted with this gospel that you might entrust it to others who can continue to entrust it to others. It's the pattern of discipleship that Paul is laying out here for Timothy. Timothy, your call in life is this. Walk in the grace that is yours because of Christ. Be strengthened by grace, strengthened by salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And then be sent out by the gospel. Be sent on mission for his kingdom according to God's purpose and his design for your life. And that's not just true for Timothy. That's true for us as well. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to walk in this, this uh, if I can call it this, this pathway or this journey of discipleship, that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. The gospel was never meant to terminate on you. If that were the case, then I believe that at the moment that you trusted Jesus, God would have just called you home. If that was it, mission over, game, game finished, you know, your work on earth is done, then you would trust Christ and the Lord would call you home. But that's not the way it works. Because now that you have trusted Christ by faith, now that you are strengthened by grace, you are entrusted to Take this message, that which you have received from me in the presence of many witnesses. This didn't happen in a vacuum, right? These things were actual, historical, real events. And Paul's saying, that which you have seen, that which you have received from me, you're to give it away to others as well. And not just anyone, but others who are faithful, who will be able to teach others also. It's the process of discipleship. So let's, let's consider this. A, a threefold pattern for making disciples that we see in, 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 uh, inherent, really, embedded in this text, this instruction. The first part of this process of making disciples is this. It's decision. It's a decision. And we all have to come to the place where we make a decision to follow Christ. I would submit that the first Pattern, the first step, excuse me, in the pattern of discipleship that he's laying out is the decision to trust Christ. It's a decision to follow after him, to be strengthened by grace, by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, by calling on him as Savior and Lord, surrendering your life to him. You can't be a disciple until you make the decision to surrender your life to Jesus. You, you might be a disciple of something else, but you're not a disciple of Christ. You're not a follower of Jesus until you've surrendered your life to him. And when you make that decision, when you, by faith, trust in Christ as Savior and Lord, surrender your life to him, call on him for the gift of salvation, now you are a disciple, a follower. So it starts with the decision. The second step in this pattern, this threefold pattern of making disciples I would label as devotion, devotion. Now, when I say devotion, maybe what comes to mind is the thought of doing a quiet time or a little devotional book like, uh, like you know, Oswald uh, Chambers' devotional book or, or something of the like, right? That's what we think of a lot of times when we hear the word devotion is we think of a, a devotional book or a quiet time. But 
devotion here in the way that I want to use it is, is more than just a few minutes a day that you spend with Jesus in the word and in prayer. Devotion here is about commitment. It's about dedication. It's about surrendering our lives to him. It begins with the decision to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. But then comes the process of devoting our life and our resources to him and his kingdom. Now, that process takes discipline, spiritual disciplines. I mean to say spiritual disciplines, time in the word, time in prayer, meditating on truth, uh, all, all of the things that we might consider to be spiritual discipline. Yes, it includes all of that, but also discipline in as much as it's work and it takes commitment and we, and we strive and we, and we work at it. We make it our aim to be more and more like Christ. It involves discipline in our lives, but not only discipline, there's inherently this idea of development, that we grow, that we, that we go further in the process, that the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you should have the signs, the evidences of spiritual transformation in your life, the fruit that your life would produce, so to speak. We talked about that last week in the message that we looked at in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. That it ought to produce spiritual fruit in our lives. The more we know Jesus, the more we walk with him, we devote our lives to him. We develop in our Christian faith. I'm 41 years old, and at 41, that means I have been a follower of Jesus now for 35 years. I was six years old when I surrendered my life to Christ. I have much greater knowledge of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus now, than I knew when I was six. And yet, at six, I knew everything I needed to know to trust him and make him truly the Lord and Savior of my life. And if Jesus doesn't come back again, and if, if I'm alive uh, 35 more years from now, I I hope that and I trust that I will know a whole lot more about what it means to walk with Jesus over time and surrender my life to him than I know today at 41. There's development. There's a process that we are in. There's growth that takes place over time. And that's by God's design. We devote our lives to him. We walk with him. We grow in our faith over time. So we... We have the decision to follow Christ. There's devotion. There's the process, if you will, of, of, of growing in our faith, devoting our life, devoting our life's resources to becoming committed disciples. And then finally, the, the pattern is not complete until we reach the third step, if you will, and that's deployment. Deployment. And this is what I mean by that, is that we are raised up to be sent out, that we are called to be sent. That's what I mean, of course, when I say that we're sent by the gospel. Every one of us is sent by God into this world to make a difference for his kingdom. There are relatively few pastors among us, only a handful in the room, right? And yet, everyone in the sound of my voice who is a follower of Jesus Christ has the call of God on their life to make disciples and raise up others. This isn't just a work for pastors. This isn't just the task of church leaders. This is a call on the life of every believer. 
after we've made the decision to follow Christ, in the midst of our spiritual devotion through discipline, developing our lives, we are deployed. We're to be sent out. That's what Paul writes. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The process doesn't end with us. We are to invest our lives in others who will continue to invest their lives in others and so on so that the pattern continues. The cycle, if you will, of discipleship continues. This is the pattern for making disciples that Paul lays out. But it's not just for Timothy, it's for all of us. So let me put it together in this way. To take all of this and just make, make a, a, a sentence uh, that, that in a way defines this discipleship, disciple making. Discipleship is the process of making disciples who decide to follow Jesus, who devote their life and their resources to the Great Commission mission, and who deploy to duplicate other disciples. Now, if I were to suggest to you the place where I feel like this process breaks down, it's typically between what we've laid out here as stages two and three. I know that many of us, if not most of us in the room, have made the decision to follow Christ. I don't want to take for granted that everyone here has. And in fact, in a few moments today, we're going to have a time of invitation. And if you aren't a follower of Jesus, if you've never made the decision to trust him with your life, to call on him as Savior, and Lord, you've never started this journey of discipleship, then when we offer this invitation in a few moments, I hope, I pray that you would come and you would surrender your life to Jesus. I promise you, I promise you that you will find the rich blessings of God's mercy and his grace as you are strengthened by that grace made available to Jesus. But I know that many of us have taken that step. Many of us have made the decision. And that means that we're somewhere in this process of devotion through discipline, developing our lives spiritually, growing more and more. Some of us may be faster than others. Some of us, the spiritual growth may feel like two steps forward and one step back. Some of us feel like we are on the fast track, like we are just flying through the stages, right? Because some people have just, they've surrendered, they're sold out to Christ, they're on fire for him, and you're just seeing so much growth. Praise God that that's happening. But wherever you are, most of us are somewhere in that second Step, if you will, that second phase of this disciple-making pattern. But where the breakdown happens oftentimes is in the, between the second and third step. You have been entrusted, but now it's your time to entrust these truths to others and to raise them up so that they can entrust them to others beyond them as well. And that's what I want to issue the challenge to you today. In your life, when you think about your spiritual walk, your spiritual development, how are you taking what has been given to you and entrusting it to others? Where's the, where's the fruit of that? Where's the evidence in your life that you are entrusting these things to others? Now, Paul writes here to Timothy, entrust these to faithful men. Uh, let's, let's talk specifically about this for a moment. Entrust these to faithful men. First of all, the word faithful is important that we consider. He's not saying that we're to trust these to people who are perfect or else none of us would fit. 
And he's not saying to Timothy that he's to entrust these things to people who have all the answers, because that's not true either. Else, again, none of us would, would fit. What he's saying is people who are faithful, people who are reliable, as some other English translations use that word reliable there. In other words, we're to be reliable. We're to be trustworthy. We're to be, we're to be faithful in that we can be counted on to do that which we have been called to. Are you faithful? God doesn't need you to be everything. God doesn't need you to have it all figured out, to have all the answers. He's got the answers. God doesn't need you to, to, to know everything, to have Uh, life by the horn to be perfect. He's perfect. What he wants from you is for you to be faithful, for you to walk in obedience. And not only that, he says faithful men. The word men is really in many ways a a gender-inclusive term. It could be men and women. We can rightly understand that as men and women or even just the word others. Now, it is the word men. I don't mean to say that it doesn't, but, but in the same way that we, that we do this, when we are talking in, a, in an inclusive way, we use that word or a word like that to mean men and women or other people. That's what he's saying. So here's the point. Find other people around you who are gonna be faithful, raise them up, entrust these truths to them, and then help them do the same thing over again. It's the process of discipleship, the pattern of making disciples that we are called to. And it happens as we are strengthened by grace and sent out by the gospel. So where are you when you examine your life? What evidence do you see that you have faithfully received what has been given to you and that you are actively working to entrust that, to give it away to others. If you're here this morning and maybe you feel like the Lord is speaking to you, convicting you somehow that, that you need to do more, that, you, that, that you're not doing what you should, let me take you all the way back to point one. Here's the good news. You're not alone. God didn't call you to this and tell you to do it all by yourself in your own strength. There is grace to strengthen you along the way. God will lead you. He will direct you. What he needs for you to be is faithful, to be obedient. But hear me on this. Hear me on this. Recognizing that there is a call is not the same thing as accomplishing the call. Don't stop short. Don't feel the conviction and say, yeah, I need to do more and just let it die there. Instead, make a plan. Figure out what you're going to do. Let's talk specifics. Our, our staff would love to visit with you. Maybe, maybe we can do that this morning during the time of invitation, the altar call, or maybe we need to set up a time to visit at length about what that looks like. We're in. Trust that we want to help you in that process. Whatever way God is calling you and whatever way he's leading you, that you would use your life and your life's resources to accomplish the great commission mission of making disciples, taking what was entrusted to you and entrusting it to others who will do the same. And I pray that every one of us would walk away from today 
strengthened by the grace that is ours and absolutely committed to this God-given task of reaching people for the kingdom of God, of being sent out by the gospel to entrust others with the message of truth that was given to us. And so as we prepare for a time of invitation moment, I want to encourage you with this. If God is speaking to you today, know that you're not alone. I'm quite certain that in the room, there are many of us that God is speaking to today and he's calling us and he's leading us. We're not alone. You're not alone because you've got others, brothers and sisters in Christ who are on the journey with you. And more importantly, because you have the ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of you, who is yours by faith, to guide you in this process, to strengthen you by the grace that is yours in Jesus. But it is so important that we would answer the call to make disciples, to entrust to others what has been entrusted to us, that we might fulfill God's call, his purpose on our lives. And as we respond in obedience to him today, I want to challenge you that you would follow as the Lord leads, that you would go as he sends you. Would you pray with me? We recognize, God, that we are sent by you for your kingdom, for your gospel, for your sake Lead us in your love to the world around us that we might reach people with the power that you supply and the good news of what Jesus has done. We want to walk in faithful obedience to your call. Lead us now. We pray in your name. Amen.